Hi, this is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. And this is Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. And we are so, so glad to be here. We have been gone for a little while because MG's been sick. I've been so sick, you guys. Let me just talk about how sick I am for just a second. Or I was. Let me say that. Past tense. Was. I was. And it was a horrible respiratory infection because I'm a veteran. My uh, health care was through the VA. So they were basically like, meh, I don't know. So uh, six weeks, um, but I am on the mend. I'm 95% there. And I'm so happy to be back with Elizabeth. Me too. I'm so happy to have her. She's texted me early this week and said, I'm better. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. I did the joyful dance. Yes. <laughs> And we are so happy to have a guest today. Elizabeth, would you like to please introduce our guest? I would. I'd love to. So um, sitting here with us is Georgie Holbrook, and Georgie is a, a, is a past sponsee of mine. Georgie is a, is, a, is a sponsee of mine, and I met her through program and just enjoyed working with her and learning from her so much. And she's... Um, so we had, we met and she'd written a book and then, um, you know, she did the steps and stuff and she kind of went another path and, um, was working on some stuff and I reconnected with her a few months ago and I was, ah, she's written four books now. So, um, she's supporting me in, um, some pro a project that I'm working on and in doing so, I, you know, I just, I just thought she's a perfect guest for us. She has... An incredible history with healing um, your emotions and there's so much of this and it's so interesting because MG has been sick and dealing with some ailments and then Georgie's gonna share how she had some stuff and and got well and I just know that this is all connected mm. so mm. Um, go ahead and just back up a little bit about and tell us in about your story you know that when you were in corporate world okay so Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so I was in the corporate world. I started out early in life, and I ended up in Dallas, Texas, and was um, assigned to uh, be an executive, and I had a lot of responsibility, working 12, 14 hours a day, and I had no sense about my own body, and I was hired because of my own intuitive knowing. Somehow I, I know how to solve things that even go beyond my knowing, I just show up and so if it was employee relations, if it was sales, marketing, it didn't matter. And then um, by 36 years old, I hardly ever got sick. And then I got allergies. So that was my first sign of my body breaking down from all the stress and tension. And so my first allergy doctor started me on allergy shots three times a week for five months. At the end of five months, my allergies went away, but now my face started turning red. So I went to my family doctors, and they said it was my toothpaste, my shampoo, my makeup. It was mm -hmm. always something around my face. And then I was given an assignment out in Carol uh, North Carolina for one week doing a workshop in the heat of the summer, and my face broke out in boils. And I really felt out of control. So I came back and I went to my first skin cancer doctor, not thinking that I had cancer, but I wanted a quick fix. I needed to get back to work and I, I was totally embarrassed. Makeup wouldn't cover it up. And so the skin, tech, uh, doctors, skin cancer doctor said that I had rosacea, an incurable deforming, disfiguring disease that could affect my eyesight. In the corporate world, 
I had never heard the word incurable because if I had told my boss that something was incurable, I wouldn't have had a job. So with that information, I, I knew I was out of control. I could solve business problems frontwards and backwards. I could work 12, 14 hours a day, but I knew zero about my own body and the function of my body. So I went on my own journey believing that medication was not what I was lacking, but I did not know what I was lacking. But I also knew I was out of control. So in that hopeless feeling, I started going to other dermatologists. And so in the period of six years, I went to 50 dermatologists, wow. but far more holistic practitioners, asking them all the same thing. I figured the body couldn't be as complicated as what we've made, been led to believe that it is. And so my- So you kind of had an idea that there was something else causing the rosacea, but you had no idea what it was. No idea what it was. And had you been exposed to the Louise Hay? No. You had no knowledge of her no. her work? And no had, mystical, no spiritual. No, and yeah. nobody, even in those six years, had addressed the emotional component. It was all that it was mm. on my face. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and You it needed was a, a pill or it was an topical. Or, yeah. yeah, it was an isolated case. And so, um, so I went at it kind of like... Um, I did in the corporate world, problem solving. I said to these doctors, so if you have a healthy cell today and a diseased cell tomorrow, why can't it reverse? I couldn't get that answer. So anyway. That's a very simple question and a very complex answer to them. Right. And also, if our body every day since the day we were born is doing healing and repair, then why can't my face heal when the rest of my body, which... I figured was 98% of my body um, was okay. It was okay and healthy. So I used these, this logic, but I wasn't getting anywhere. So I was on a, a strict, strict diet. And I just kept desperately going from doctor to doctor and studying. And people would send me magazines and reading and um, on and on. I, I was just bombarded. But by the time... Uh, I was 42. I was losing my eyesight. I couldn't read or drive. My face was totally deforming and bright red and I lance boils pretty much every day and it looked like suicide was really a comforting word. It was just like, get me out of here. So because that, you were in such agony and pain. Yeah, so so um, little things like going into a grocery store, a little child might come around the corner and just scream at me thinking I was a monster. Other people, there was two types of people. Those people that avoided me, just kind of didn't want to look at me, and then those kind that wanted to know, had you been in a fire, or what, just wanted to know, they just had to know. And then there was another group also that wanted to help me solve it. So have you tried this juice, and have you tried that, and go to my doctor, and, and so there was no safe place. So I'm gonna stop you for just a minute, because I had a similar experience, but it was not with my face. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, 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 I got sick and I couldn't get better. And I felt, I, I, I did, I was like, this is what it feels like to die. And I know that there's other people out there that have some type of thing going on with them. And it, it, it could even be, you know, the, the, yeah, an addiction. And um, they're really looking at the medical world 
to help them right. and to heal it. Right. Which is why you're here today. Right. So So how'd you get to the place where you went like you know okay P.S. To, to all of our listeners Georgie is gorgeous her skin is beautiful <laughs> there's yeah the she face is, is not red she, she is super see. cute she's got this cute little haircut we'll she's put a picture smiling. of her on yes. there uh-huh. <laughs> and my eyesight's twenty twenty. by yeah. the way love it so anyway eventually in the seventh year sixth seventh year I met a doctor that understood the immune system, mm. and I heard him speak in mm. California, and I had one hour with him. And when he looked at my file, he said, oh, those allergy shots that you started out with, most people get arthritis or something else from those. But because I had been such a workaholic, that was my addiction, um, it had lowered my immune system, oh. and so it came out this way. Oh. Now, the emotional component is, is that when it comes out, so emotions are going to manifest in a physical form. So my form was that it was on my face. If it had been on my back, I would have kept right on working. Yeah. Right. So it had to come out as a stop sign to stop me, which was a blessing. So from that one... Well, what do you attribute that to? What do I attribute? That it coming to that the it face? Coming, yeah. Why did it go on your face and why your back? What, why the stop sign? Why did you need this stop sign, you personally, looking back to where you were? Okay, great question. Um, Because I needed to get into recovery. I was really out of control. I was working day and night, anything to numb my feelings. Didn't know what was hidden underneath all of it, but I had been sexually abused from the time I was two to eight years old. I had been date raped at age 14, and I never told anybody because my belief at the time was that was... You just didn't tell your story. But I also believed that it was behind me and that life went on. So by the time I was 16, I worked two jobs and went to high school to not feel. Mm-hmm. And by the time I, pushed I, that away. I was 25, I was a vice president for a company. I helped grow into the United States, into five different states. So I never stopped. But the red face forced me to stop and take a look at what is driving this? What is this anger behind my skin that's trying to come out? Yes. And um, eventually, from that doctor that said, you have to find peace within. I don't know if you'll ever heal, but find peace within because at that point, I was very thin, and I had an internalized quiver 24 hours a day, and he said, you'll never heal with that quiver inside of you because all 12 organs were misfiring with each other. They had moved out of harmony with each other, and no, none of the doctors before that had ever noticed. And so that's when I got into therapy. And my first group, first I went to a hospital where they had week-long um, workshops once a week on stress reduction, but it was through that instructor that said, ah, oh, you, need, you need to get into recovery. And so I went into a group of 80 people all on emotional healing, but I thought I would die going in that group, everybody looking at me. And I said, I don't think I can do this. I am so fragile. I don't know where my breaking point is. But they assured me. And so um, I got in there for two weeks, and I really healed through other people telling their story, horrible stories. But I watched people heal in front of me, you know, whether they were on diabetic um, medication, they lessened it. If they walked in with a cane, they threw the cane away. It was like once they got to tell their inner story, 
that their body had been telling them. So I, I believe that our, our body tells our story if we don't get to tell it and heal it. Amen. That's, that's amazing. And I think that that is one of the amazingly healing things about 12-step recovery is that not only can I speak and people take the time and give me the space to hear me, but I get to hear others. Mm-hmm. And even if I never share, I go to a meeting and I hear other women and men share, and it just moves me so much because I think it is a healing thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, fantastic. Okay, let's go. Let's continue. So, <laughs> I'm, like, well, the, I'm like this, everybody. I know, I'm like, my, just, my yes. hands are not underneath my chin. It's a compelling like, story, but it's also um, a compelling solution. And it is tied into the 12 steps because... The last, the, the 12th step is um, having had a spiritual awakening. And this is what she's talking about, right. is a spiritual awakening. And your malady does not have to be something that is showing up on your skin or, you know, debilitating right. you physically. Your malady can just be that you're, you know, you have unmanageability or powerlessness somewhere. Maybe that's where it's starting. Right. And, and that the, um, you know, sharing... And the spiritual awakening, figuring out, you know, I love that you went like, this is me. Mm-hmm. It's not something outside of me. It's me. And it's everything that I put inside of me. And it's what's in my head. It's what I'm thinking. What I'm not thinking, what I'm pushing down, what I'm... Well, and I mean, Georgie, to you know, for being on the face, you know, that's something... I mean, I look at my face every day. When I get up and I'm doing my, you know, daily thing, it's something that can be undeniable. And then I think that also we as women, and especially in the corporate world, I mean, I never worked a day at Enron when I didn't have a full face on. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I have to get up early and like, you know, get into what I call work drag so that I can go in and like present myself. So there's that, you know, component as well. But uh, but but let's hear more. And, and also the courage that it took for right. you to like show up for yourself in front of this group, even though they might have said, yeah, these are great people, come on in. 80 people, you know, signing up for that. That's amazingly courageous. <laughs> Please continue. I'm just excited, everybody. <laughs> okay, I'm excited, too. <laughs> well, here's, here's something that was amazing. So the first night in the workshop, they asked us to make a list of everything we liked and disliked in our life. And I had pages of things I disliked. I didn't like the church I was involved with. I was married to a minister that put me down every day. The church would say things like, you know, if you were walking with God, you'd be healed. They baptized me three times thinking I had some evil spirit. Um, So my list was long. But on the joy side, there was nothing on the joy side. And I was smart enough to know that that was way out of balance. So I went in the bathroom that night at that workshop and I was in there by myself and I looked in the mirror and I said, I could take my list of don't likes one at a time over the next three, five years. It's kind of like an addiction, right? It's like I can do this painfully over the next years or I can just leave go of this list tonight. And when I looked in the mirror and I committed that, the fever in my face went away and my stomach calmed down I made that commitment and my body knew that I was going to be honest. The only thing I couldn't do away with was my husband, but I (laughs) I refused to go back to those two churches that picked on me just about every weekend. Well, and the other thing that you don't know about her story is that it's like that, that whole scenario is her creating her 
um, you know, su- subconsciously, definitely, um, creating her family life all over again. Recreating, Recreating her family, family life over and over the again. Abuse. Putting herself... Mm-hmm. Yeah. L- looking for love. Looking right. for love. Right, because that's known. I mean, right. it's like, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to get, you know, beat up by my mom today. I'm all right, you know. But it's like to go into a situation where I don't know, that's even more scary. What's going to happen now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being ridiculed, being put down, being, you know, physically yeah. abused, all of those things were part of your family of origin. And that's such childhood. a cop out to say, you know, you're not doing your spiritual work, therefore that's why you're afflicted. That's total BS. Yeah. Very so I healed in, in nine months to 12 months. My face totally healed, my eyesight came back totally emotionally. So I got to feel the difference when the quiver went away and my body calmed down and my organs went back into harmony. And I committed myself to sharing my story. I was like, everybody needs to know this, that if you put enough stress on the body and if you're unhappy and empty enough, that something's gonna break down and your body's gonna tell your story. And I wanted other people to know what I had learned. And so I've been telling my story ever since. So. Oh my gosh. So what did you do specifically? If you were going to offer our listeners specific things that you could do. First of all, quit shaming yourself. Mm -hmm. Stop the the self-talk inside that you feel that you're incurable because your body's always willing to heal. Your body wants to be loved, wants to be nurtured, wants to be praised, wants to be adored. Every day of your life, your body knows how to do healing and repair. Do not accept labels from anybody. Anybody. Um, One of the things I always share with anybody, and I did this with her, is um, perfect health. Is uh, you know, all of us have had something wrong. You know, an illness. And now we're all three of us sitting here, you know, two of us 100%, one of us 95, but on our way to 100. So we know, like, your body is striving for perfect health, always. And it has everything that it needs inside of it to fight whatever it is. Sometimes we need a little help, we need a little, you know, antibiotics or whatever it is, the doctor, you know, if you need that, go get it. That's not what this is about. But that your body does have what it needs and to remind yourself instead of like, I'm so sick. Oh, I can't get well. I'm blah, blah, you know. Right. Instead is to say, I, my body is in perfect health. It is striving for right. perfect health. And to stop hanging on to the, the labels. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I got sick on December 2nd. I went to an AA meeting and uh, it was my friend Dory and then it was me and then it, there was the sicko was to my right. And he left the meeting because he said, I, I feel, I'm, I'm sick, I'm feeling bad. But he left his afflicted dollar on the table. So when the basket came around, I picked up that, you know, scabrous infected dollar <laughs> and put it in the basket. For and I, him. And I got, I got the full dose. My friend Dory got sick too, but not to the degree that I did. But, you know, like we went about away, and like Thursday of that week, she called me, she goes, uh, how are you doing? I said, you know, I've got a sore throat, I feel like I'm getting a cold. She goes, me too. And I, and I said, when did you start getting sick? She said, it's either Sunday or Monday. I'm like, me too. And then like we put it together, and we realized we'd been by that guy. And how my illness has affected me, and what I know to be what I need to do to recover is to take time and to rest. All the doctors at the VA kept saying, 
you know, this is probably a virus. There's not much that we can do about it. You just have to rest. And all those anxieties, because I have two part-time jobs, you know, I have an agent that sends me out on things, I've, and I have a sponsees. I have a very full, loving life. I have a podcast that I'm doing, you know, all these things that I have called into my life, Georgie. You know, I've said, I want this. And so the universe provided it for me. And it just got to be a little bit too much. I was just, you know, carving out too much for, you know, my immune system. And I asked this nurse, I'm like, why am I not getting better? And she said, you know, shrugged. And she said, you know, maybe you have a low immune system. And I'm like, well, why do I have a low immune system? And she goes, well, do you do a lot? Are you very busy? And I'm like, yes. And she said, well, that's a great stressor on the immune system. And I wanted to say, no, that cannot be what it is because I want to continue with all these things. And the truth is, Georgie, is that I can't. Elizabeth, mm -hmm. the truth is, is that I can't. So I want to say right here, right now, that we're gonna, I'm going to try to do a podcast once a month until I feel like my vitality is completely there. So I just want to share that, you know, with you and say it's coming back. But I felt a little bit of stress today. I was like, oh, my God, i got to get home and do the podcast, you know? <laughs> and I don't want to yeah. feel that way. I don't want to feel that way. It's not good for you. So, Georgie, what do you do now differently? Ah, I'm in the holistic field, and I teach um, most of my audience is women. And I believe that we're born with a purpose and a passion. And because we've been taught how to numb out and serve out of exhaustion, exactly what you're talking about, and when we serve out of exhaustion and call it love, especially as us women, we, we serve our children, we serve the corporate world, we serve our husbands, what, whoever's around us. If we keep serving out of exhaustion, our body will tell our story in health issues. That's number one. And so we go back to learning how to be true to ourselves, how to love ourselves, how to uh, have a spiritual life and not worship money and not um, end up um, in some nursing home years from now with a lot of resentment because life passed us by and we didn't get to, to live our passion, but we lived our pain. We just kept doing things like I did that didn't bring me joy, but the next assignment was bigger and bigger and, and it just, it was no fun. So. I did get into uh, Workaholics Anonymous, and one of the things that I said was, so how do you stop working when you need money, right? And my sponsor in Austin would say to me, you have to surrender. Are you worshiping money? And I was like, well, maybe. And so as I took a look at that, I really was, that money was like kind of priority of being self-employed and whatever, yeah. yeah. And so I've given that up and noticed that my own spirit, when I'm relaxed and have peace within, I don't market my business, but people find me and have now for 20 years. So, <laughs> you know, I just trust the God of my understanding to provide for me and provide for me really well. And sometimes things get a little tight and I just even trust that, but it also gets better and better. So... I um, do emotionally com emotional counseling with people, getting helping them get in touch with what they truly are feeling, 
and how they can create more happiness because when they're happy and doing what they their mission in life then their body by design will stay healthy and so each body part as it breaks down has an emotional component and I interpret that for people and I find that Louise Hayes was one of the forefathers on this written a lot of books but I also have means of guided imagery where our body sometimes our head will tell us well this is what it's caused from because of that person and it might not be it might go way deeper so I do guided imagery of people because our body is very honest and will reveal the story to us like no that was when I was four years old I took this pattern on rather than it was something yesterday really quickly you revealed a story to me about uh, a a recent client Um, the one that had the piano and moved the piano out of the place where she was with her husband can you recount that without exposing who she was Oh, give us a little bit of because it's such an interesting story how like she's um I think her weight was the initial problem but there was so many more components right. to it rather than the weight right right, right. so and then also maybe you could do a short guided imagery like you know exercise with me or Elizabeth so that other people can hear you oh, okay. and then we'll also put links to your stuff and yeah. your books as and well and I would love to share just a little short story sure. about how children from two different families can take up, one will take up addictions and have more health issues where the other one won't, if you'd like me to share that. Yes, yes, I'd love that. Okay, so I'll tell you about the client. She had, um, she just recently came to me in May of last year. She's had 20 surgeries, the the most surgeries of anybody I've ever worked with. And when she first came to me, she had this story so in the first session, she said, I don't want to do emotional work. Well, I knew if she, if she was in my life. <laughs> that, sister, you're going to uh-huh. be doing emotional work. Just, just keep just coming scary. back. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too scary. I get it. It is scary. Right. right. So she, her first um, thing was that she got my Joyful Holistic Remedies book. And as she started reading my story, she decided to come as a client. But her first statement out of her mouth was, I don't want to do emotional work. And I said, that's okay, we can work around that, knowing that it was going to surface anyway. So then she told me that that she was married to her soulmate, but that he was an alcoholic. And I went, wow, and then then she had 20 surgeries, and and that that she felt, and this is so interesting, maybe you've come across some people like this. She felt that being married to somebody that was an active alcoholic and doing some really horrible things and even cheating on her, was like that if he was a cancer patient, you wouldn't just walk away from him. Mm. So oh, yeah. she was So he had this this ongoing malady, this mm-hmm. disease. Right, right. And she didn't want to leave him because You know, you wouldn't leave a cancer patient, but you what would. but what if the cancer patient doesn't quit smoking? Or what if the right. diabetic still or go or eats doesn't go cake, to the doctor or doesn't go to the doctor and say you know all oh, that's BS right. You know? right I don't really have cancer right so her way of dealing with it was that she would go to an AA meeting every night he came home at three she'd leave at five she'd come home by the time he got to bed and it was like man this just sounds like she's running away right sure so anyway fast forward. They were going to take a trip, 
and by this time her knees were scheduled for major laser or surgery or something and he had to push her in a wheelchair and I thought this is really kind of interesting scenario and now she's going to play helpless so that he has to push her so and be engaged with her and engaged with her right so maybe sober so she started working with me and I'm proud to say currently six months later she can walk with me three times a week 45 minutes each no pain in her knees so the knees are about moving forward in life. All of that's gone away. Yes. No surgery. No surgery. Oh. Okay. And so when she told me she had 20 surgeries, we, we traced them back to his first time of cheating on her. And she just swallowed it. And so this week I, I taught her about um, frozen emotions, that when you witness something and it's so bad, then you just don't deal with it, and you kind of dance right over the top of right, it. Right. And in the meantime, your body tells your story. Because it's a coping <laughs> mechanism. Sometimes those situations are so horrific that in order for us to survive, it's a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. We have to forget about that horrible thing because you know we have to dance over it. You know, we it's we got to go much. forward. Right. You know, mm -hmm. and and it's like in. Like, you know, Auschwitz, they talk about, you know, how do you become so inured to that trauma? And it's like, you just have to. You just, it happens. So I believe it, that she had that experience. But, you know, after you get out of Auschwitz, you're going to have to deal with your Auschwitz experience, you know, mm -hmm. or not, you know. So anyway, she came to her own realization that she wanted to move out. So we have a lady mover that comes in with a team of women and we came in one day while he was at work and we boxed her up and she had a brand new apartment and she moved into the apartment and then at the last minute she, w she has a miniature baby grand piano that Elizabeth's referring to and she said, no, nah, I think I'll leave it here because I haven't played my instruments for five years and, and all of us women said, no, that needs to go with you. And so... She she plays piano, beautiful piano, um, cello. She's playing guitar with me now, and she plays violin, and she hadn't played any of her instruments for five years. Her health is totally turned around. She came in yesterday with some vision of doing some uh, cruises and, and, and dreaming and totally has stepped out of this scenario of being sick. and. It's just fun watching her. And she keeps reading my books and she just wants to learn more. She studies with me three hours at a time and then I do energy work on her. So she's, in, uh, she's with me for four hours at a time twice a week right now. That's fantastic. She, 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 she's like a sponge. She just wants to take on more and more and more and just learn. So. Well, and I think that you, having had this uh, you know, psychic and intuitive healing awakening, it's just like, if they, it, it, this is the way I feel when I work with my sponsees. It's like, if you want it, here we go. And I just like open up the thing and I feel like it's God coming through me, you know? It is God. And it's just like, all right, here we go. I just open right. the valve and just let it flow. And I think that's a really important point because I always tell women, you know, and this is because I used to sort of edit or, well, I don't know her very well. I shouldn't really, I'd have a thought of an honest calling out but now I'm just like look I know if you're calling me it's because you want to hear 
you know, my directness and I'm going to be direct and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I'm, what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing and what I think. And that's me channeling my higher power and letting that, this is my recovery. This is my truth. And here it is. Because higher power has also chosen you to give the message in Elizabeth's way. Right. 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 That they can hear. So tell me about the kids that were, uh, you know, had two different, that were, um, that you were talking about. Okay. So here's the way I see it. So two children, two years old, two different families. And as two years old, they run through the living room and they hit their knee really bad. So family number one, the child is just crying and the caregiver comes in and says, they're there, don't cry. Hey, I'll kiss it and make it go away. I'll give you a piece of candy. Oh, little girls don't cry. Go to your room. If you can't stop crying, you go to your room until you can come back out. What are you doing running around the house like a crazy person? Things like that, those messages. Okay. So the likelihood of that child bruising, swelling, black and blue, and it, it lingering is highly likely because they've been wounded, they've been hurt, and now we've stopped them from crying, so we've piled one hurt on top of the other. Invalidating their feelings. This child, this is just my thinking, um, if put down every day, don't cry, don't feel, don't be real, over and over again, will not trust their own intuition, and eventually take up an addiction to feel something. Yes. It might even be a straight-A student, so it doesn't have to be yes. a bad addiction, but you're always trying to feel something. And for me, I couldn't accomplish enough <clears throat> um, to get attention, to, to feel worthy, no matter how many titles I had, a company car, money, didn't matter. I never could feel the accomplishment because inside of me, I was just a nobody. I was treated like a nobody as a kid. And that was uh, the message that you got. Yeah. So no matter what I accomplished, I would say, it's no big deal. Next, what, you know, I would totally, I couldn't feel it. Okay. So family number two has a child crying, hurt. The caregiver goes on the floor with them, helps them cry, encourages them to cry, might even shed some tears to to demonstrate for them that the child has been hurt, might put their hands on the knee and say, oh, I'm so sorry that you got hurt, right? Encouraging the child to cry, what happens is that inherently we were meant to release our emotions and not stuff them. And as we release the emotion, in this case, as a two-year-old, then the body heats up, we kind of sweat, and we acknowledge the pain. That's all the body's wanting. The body's wanting to be acknowledged. You were hurt. You were violated. And so the chance of that child actually having a, a wound that lingers is very unlikely. Very unlikely. And if they're encouraged to feel their feelings and... And, and say, experience and, the trauma or whatever. Yeah, yeah. but, but later on in life to be able to say to um, say to Elizabeth, you know, when you said that, this is the way it makes me feel. That I feel hurt when somebody else says this. Or, but identify their feelings, then the likelihood of them having a health issue might be minor, but you won't find them normally taking up an addiction to cover up something 
that the, they, they, they honor their body. They know right. their intuition. Right. Or they, with any chronic disease, yeah. any chronic yeah. Yeah. yeah, because they're going to take it on and go, you know, yes, I, I just made the wrong choice, but I'm going to get rid of it right away. This is not me. This doesn't feel right. right. And so they're totally in their spirit, in their body. So And they learn how to self-soothe as well. And like, you know, what I right. do... Now is that it's like, you know, uh, you, you know, do a body scan. It's like, mm-hmm. how am I, you know, start at my head and go down and scan. And like for this, you know, last six weeks that I've been sick every day, I wasn't feeling well. And I'm right. like, how am I feeling? I'm not feeling well. And it's like, well, what can you do? And it's like, what do you want? And of mm-hmm. course, my little girl always wants cookies or crackers, you know, and so I'm like, well, let's try to choose a, a better choice. And so instead of cookies, can we have fruit? Some days it was the cookies. Some days it was, it was the crackers. And it was like, I felt like that was okay for me during that healing time because it's like, I did want to feel better. There's still this addict within me, I think, to a certain degree where I do want the cookie, where I do want the, the you know, potato chip. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but I, but I kind of allowed it and I did that scan. So that's uh, segues into us. Would you be willing to do a small sort of, you know, mm-hmm. guided uh, thing? Are you up for it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. All right. So let's take a deep breath and just imagine that you're with the three of us, wherever you are in this podcast. And as you take a breath in, we just slowly release that breath, knowing that even our breath is a free gift from God, higher source, whatever we want to call it, that there's something greater that's beating our heart today, putting oxygen in our lungs, and that we can love our bodies, that our bodies are a gift given to us. They have their own language of what they like and what they dislike. And so as we open up today, that wherever you've been wounded, hurt, maybe surgeries, we know that where we put enough love, everything else has to leave. So we ask for a total healing today for all of us, that we can move into our brilliance, a greater version of ourselves than our brokenness, a greater version of ourselves than our our stories and to live our purpose and passion so that we don't end up in a nursing home sometime with regrets saying wow I wished I would have written a book I wish I would have told my story I wished I would have been braver so today imagine that we could see the rainbow and that if we could go out and touch that rainbow our hand would go right through it just like a cloud. And we ask that rainbow, those beautiful colors now, to to come down and float through our bodies, going through every cell and every fiber and every muscle throughout our body, healing and repairing, bringing us back to our sacred truth that's been there from the day we were born, that there's something far greater than you and I that orchestrates our body and wants to direct us and let us let go of anything that stands in the road. So beautiful healing colors today, going through your right brain and left brain and any types of beliefs 
that have been separate from your goodness, we ask them to be erased and go into a blur. So it might be a, a memory that you keep repeating in your self-talk. We just ask that now to settle down and to give you the truth, the same intelligence that, that governs the world tonight, today, that brings the moon up tonight and the sun up tomorrow. That intelligence lives, lives and breathes in every cell and fiber of our bodies, empowering us to be more than how we've been showing up. So beautiful rainbows of colors now, just anointing each one of us flowing down from the top of our heads like a fountain internally, flowing down through our bodies and out the bottom of our feet. And we give thanks for this time together, knowing that our heart is open now to receive more and more love, to love ourselves, to be able to look in the mirror and be proud of who we are and to stop the abusive self-talk that many of us have been taught that's a secret we think that as we put ourselves down and we shame ourselves, just imagine being a little child that if you shame them long enough, you will take the sparkle out of their eyes. So let us stop this self-talk that's totally destroying our, ourselves and we're passing it on to other people around us. May we find peace within, find harmony at whatever price it takes to get there. To let go of what's not working and reach, reach for more joy, to be joy filled and not running on empty. And thank you for listening to this. We just give thanks for each one of you out there. Just knowing that you are loved and you've always been loved and that there's a sacred soul inside of you, and that the day that you were born, the angels sang, holy, holy, holy is this child, divine and good, and that your divinity, whatever that is, would unfold. So just embrace that thought, that the angels are still encouraging you to live your passion and not your pain. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much, Georgie. That was so fantastic. It was such a great experience having you here as our guest. Thank you. Thank you. So can we get your website before we close? Oh, yes, So if, if somebody wants to get in touch with you that listened, how could they get in touch with yes, you? Yes, I have a beautiful website. You can see my books. It's Georgie, G-E-O-R-G-I-E, Holbrook. H-O-L-B-R-O-O-K dot com. So it's Georgie, like the state of Georgia, but it's got an I-E on it. Holbrook, H-O-L-B-R-O-O-K dot com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you I so want to much. remind all of our listeners that um, you can reach us at www.sobersisterstalk.com. If you heard something that you want to comment on or ask a question, if you want to suggest a, a topic or a guest, please email us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. And that's it. And thank you. Thank we you so much. for listening. Woo. And we're back. Happy New Year, everyone. Okay.